0: Okay, all right. And you're hearing me. And Jeb, you're hearing Steve. I'm hearing everybody. Um. All right. I don't know what just happened, but okay. Don't touch anything, Jack. Don't touch anything. Four score and seven uh, years ago. Our father's brother. Did you forward. touch something, Jack? I don't think I did. I didn't touch anything intentionally, but uh, uh, this guy, I don't know if this guy is very lucky or very unlucky. I don't know whether he should buy like every lottery ticket he can possibly find or maybe never buy another lottery ticket ever. All right. This is a uh, story from, uh, did you guys see this? It's uh, uh, i the st- I'm looking at Abweb. It's probably been reported elsewhere. First, first the engine, then the parachute failed. This Is this, Uh, Cirrus, first couple of graphs. The Cirrus SR-22 pilot's really bad day ended with a relatively safe emergency landing on a dirt road. So just to paraphrase here, um, he had an engine failure. Uh, he decided that he wasn't going to make it to any place safe to land, so he popped the chute, but the chute didn't pop. The chute failed, all right? Uh, so he apparently then reconsidered the whole situation and said, I guess I can land. And so he managed to land on a dirt road someplace. But uh, yikes. That's like, that's you know, it's just, I don't know what to how to what to make of this. You ever, ever had one of these days in either of your airplanes, you guys? I've never had two major failures. Yeah. Like I mean, that's that, just man. gotta. Well, he's lucky that it failed. Apparently, the way the shoot failed was that it didn't fire. Um, you know, the really bad thing would have been if the shoot f- fired, but did but got tangled or something really awful happened. So oh, the, I mean, you're already having a bad. Right, right. Yeah, right. I know, really. But at least the shoot failure didn't make things worse. It just didn't help. Um, and uh, so and, and, yeah. and yeah, and in it,
1: fairness, it's probably set up that way. I mean, the, 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 the shoot itself ought to be pretty fail-safe. I mean, I don't think we've yeah. had an example of one streamering, um, or at least when deployed at the manufacturer's recommended altitude. I mean, mm-hmm. reading this, the I mean, they say luck is the meeting of preparation with opportunity. Um, I mean, this guy had the manufacturer's spec, um, had the, the altitude figured out, um and the whole mess and still had the altitude and presence of mind to I, I think he caught a mailbox or something, um. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, aircrew reusable. I'm I'm a fan.
2: Yeah, this this story doesn't say it, but I presume they both walked away. Uh, uh, at least there weren't any serious injuries.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, you never know, but the airplane doesn't appear to be sufficiently damaged that anybody would have been badly hurt. You might have got banged around, though, and it, cause it, it did, as Steve said, it must have hit something, cause it looks like one of the main gear collapsed. Maybe both, I can't quite make it out, but, uh, um, yeah, well, okay. I, uh, Yeah. I don't know. What what goes through your mind? You know, it's like you're going, all right, you know, the engine failure. Let me try this. No, that's not going to work. Let me try that. That's not going to work. All right. And uh, it's time to pop the chute. And then you (laughs) pop the chute and nothing happens. And you go oh, man, now what? You know, it's like... Everything
2: I touch just breaks. I'm afraid to go to the plane. Yeah, I know, really.
1: <laughs> well, I get... Really. When I'm on check rides and stuff, it's like, okay, Steve, you know, this 180, Power-Off 180 ought to be easy for you. You're a glider pilot. It's like, no, this is not a glider. This yeah. is a 182 um, yeah. or, or whatever it is I'm flying. I've uh, Unlike Jeb, I've never had a major system failure worst thing I think I've had was yesterday I declared an emergency and that's because the little oh. the little and and it, you know here's a lesson I've had a couple of things that deserved saying the E word but have never said it and felt bad about not having said it um, the The little thing that flops down and covers the pedo tube on older airplanes and then uh-huh. when yeah. it gets airflow it pops up and opens right. the tube well that had bent when the students were helping me drag the airplane out and because it's a handhold yeah well yeah yeah well, uh, obviously it's a handle well, I'm, I'm climbing out going the airspeed doesn't appear to be correct so just declared emergency and i mean worst that's going to happen is is going to call him and I'm gonna tell him what happened and they're going to say thanks and hang up um it, it was just simply bent um i they, they cleared the pattern for me. I came over the numbers at about Mach 1 and just, you know, bled <laughs> off the – in an Aronka chief. You know, bled off the yes, airspeed, yes. touched down, rolled out of the movement area, bent the thing back the way it was supposed to be and and went on my way. But, you know, nothing compared to – Jeb, you lost a jug?
2: I lost a jug. That was years ago. Um, um, talking about let's, – let's segue back to pedo tubes, though, for a second. Um it was at Manassas one day with a debonair, I had uh, I washed it um, and um, I had sealed up the static vents in the pitot tube uh, before I put water to it and dried it. You know, it's all ready to go. Let's go for let's go for a quick ride to blow out the rest of the water in the airframe. And I peeled off the static ports, and I probably got distracted, wasn't paying any attention. Taxied out uh, number one to take off, and and controller was just you know on on his best game he was feeding them in and feeding them out just one after the other it was my turn to go um and um applied full power straight ahead got no airspeed indicator because i left the pitot two on. i aborted on the runway and that just screwed up the controller's whole day because oh. <laughs> he had people he had like two or three people on final um you know two or three lined up ready to go yeah but i taxied just- off and Pulled the pitot tube cover off, and I think I just went back to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really.
0: <laughs> no, Jeb, you got to look at, look at it this way. You gave him an, a further opportunity to display his great traffic control skills. Exactly. You exactly know, right. it's like, exactly right. it was too easy to just kind of line them up and, and 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 send them out, you know. It's like, yeah. settling, you got to like rearrange them on the fly, so to speak, you know. it's uh, it's. Uh,
2: I, I've had gear that wouldn't come down. I've had, as you correctly note, Steve, uh, lost a cylinder um, years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I've had... I don't know if I use the E-word or the M-word, um, but I was definitely used it in you know, a higher-pitched voice than
1: <laughs> yeah. Fair, okay. um, Fair enough. I, I tell students, you just say the E-word, oh, and that's going to happen is you've got to talk to the friendly, <laughs> friendly fed. And even from FISDO's less collaborative than mine, which I love dearly, um, you're, you know, they've got a safety focus where they figure out what happened and, and then you're on your way if you even get a phone call.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Bruce Willis in, in Die Hard. Come down here and
0: arrest me for misusing the CD <laughs> <radio>
1: frequency. <laughs>
0: On that note, welcome folks to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from the uh, banks of the ever scenic Cochico River here in Dover, New Hampshire, uh, where it's uh, it continues to be spring-like and, and and having a good old time. It's not quite 90. Last time we recorded, it was 90 degrees um, back here in New Hampshire, and that was a little bit of an aberration. But uh, it's still very nice, and uh, and uh, so I'm enjoying the arrival of spring up here in New England and, uh, and the Saturday afternoon i'm spending some time in our virtual hangar with two of my very good friends uh one of those voices out there is from somewhere near sarasota florida that's jeb burnside hi jeb how you doing
2: i'm fine the weather
0: here is about what you experienced in new hampshire
2: a few days back
0: you're you're back to 90 i take it we're back
2: to 88 something like that but um there's a there's a breeze there's some white puffies maybe 20 percent cloud cover it's a nice day
0: yeah Jeb likes to when I when I crow about it being a nice day up here I'll say it's like you know it's 75 degrees and Jeb likes to then tell me what his pool temperature is. Uh what's the pool temperature today Jeb? Um more than 75.
2: Yeah, right. Anyways, is that
1: okay. close to Jeb or further away in the pool from Jeb?
0: I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lounging in the pool while you're recording the podcast.
2: <laughs> Ignore that splashing.
0: <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> And then another voice here in our virtual hangar is from uh, from uh, I don't have a clever way of describing where you are. Actually, I'm not sure where where you are literally today, but it's uh, from somewhere in Michigan. Is uh, Steve Tupper? How you doing, Steve? What's going I on?
1: Spectacular. I'm not quite Jeb, but but that's that's the goal. Uh, uh,
0: c- c- well, be careful what you wish
1: for, c- sir. C- coming to you from the northern suburbs of my beloved Detroit, Michigan.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just writing down. Not quite Jeb. It, <laughs> it may turn out that was the title of this episode. I don't know. Um, what's going on with you? You having a good time these days? You're uh, you're just a busy aviation person. You've 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 found the life. I think you've you've the sweet spot. You've, you, uh, I late at the end of this episode when I when I read the list of things you're involved with, people are just going to go, huh? It's pretty impressive. Well, I, I swear yeah.
1: to people that I I am a lawyer. I do lawyer but there 's really not much but
0: even your lawyering yeah. involves aviation right
1: yeah, uh, about a quarter of my yeah. practice is aviation transactions you know buying selling if i 'm If I'm standing next to you in a courtroom as your counsel, you should wait till the bailiff 's looking the other way and run but but if you want a disembodied <laughs> voice on a speakerphone somewhere doing your your jet or your king air or your other purchase or sale um that it, it was you remember the the unfortunate editorial cartoons about the auto execs who uh, showed up at the hearings flying their corporate jets oh yes after that remember there that, had yeah. to be some sob who helped sell off those fleets i had that sad duty in in a uh-huh. couple of respects
0: Mhm. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh some of us. I heard. I only got a chance to hear a little bit of it, but a lot of people heard you and and a, and a bunch of your pals uh, doing the uh, show from not from Sun and Fun, uh, but on Sun and Fun Radio. The uh, the uh, what is sun. it you call sun that? Park. The not from Sun and Fun podcast or something like that, yep. right, Steve? Uh,
1: what was the, that? The hashtag is not at Sun and Fun. Usually with with the year, but yeah, we've taken over. I, I came to Sun and Fun one year. My daughter was four years old. Um, she Mm -hmm. is actually in LA right now, uh, heading to USC for a campus tour, uh, to, you know, not that we're, we're all getting old, um, (laughs) but the, well, you are apparently Steve, my gosh. Yeah. We took over the airwaves. It was at least 10 years ago that we did, I think this is the 10th time we've done it and we probably started like 12 years ago. We just get a bunch of guys that are not. The only qualification is you've got to have an audio connection and you can't be in Lakeland. One of these days I will, I will fly down there and like round the corner and declare myself ineligible. But um, logistics are, are <laughs> tough to do that
0: you should do that because we have a good time but you said you sound like the bits i've heard and from the reports i've heard you had a fun time with that that show this year
1: we did we we had uh, who was with you uh,
0: who who was with you james
1: warmkessel um fod debuted um as a panelist right. and then the guys from um uh plane crazy down under uh grant and steve and uh grant had to bail but we got uh ben the australian air traffic controller so it was a good. Pa- I mean, it clicked. We yeah. had station breaks. Dave didn't complain, um, and Dave had nothing to complain about. The two were not mutually exclusive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We uh, I, before we press record, Steve and I were talking about where that might be available. We'll see if we can figure out whether that uh, replay of that is available on demand, so that I and others can can give it a listen. Because I, I think it was it was a good example of the uh, of the. Uh, the thing, the instance, the uh, class, the. Sorry, I'm falling into programmer speak here. Um,
1: <laughs> well, if you guys ever come back um, as, yeah. as a threat, we have Aussies to grab by the ankle and swing over our heads um, in terms of how that just doesn't work anywhere near as well as the, the way yeah. we've got things structured here in the U.S.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so you're pretty active on, on social media in various uh, uh, forms, and one of the things that you talk about a lot, I, I see it a lot on LinkedIn, I see it on other places, um, you talk about Fafner. Um, who or what is Fafner?
1: Um, the, Fafner is a 1978 Piper Tomahawk 112, um, pretty much stock, although very well-preserved. Uh, the panel has been way updated uh, because the, the VORs are going away, but the, the, this is a part of what I call project Higdon. Um, yeah. this is all Dave's fault. Um,
0: and <laughs> like so many yes, things, but yes. Yeah. The,
1: the, you know, his big thing was always, you know, you don't need a Cirrus, you don't need a 182. If your mission is to get your, your airman certificates and go build time toward a goal, um, for this plan, for, you know, Project Higdon or Project Dave, you you got to buy an airplane, and your dad has to be a CFII. Um, I've,
0: oh, okay. I'm not sure if that second part is absolutely a requirement, but I get your point. Go ahead, Joe. Sure, sure. yeah.
1: And, but the, you know, we, we bought Fafner th- a little over three years ago, and the goal is to get uh, my son, his name is Nicholas, everybody knows him as Fod. Um, from basically, it wasn't zero to hero, but you know, something less than a hundred hours to hero, uh, and eligible for the the airline schoolhouse. And mm. it's it's, and we're we're keeping track, and or at least we have ways to go back and figure out the money, the time, and all that. And we're gonna write a white paper when he hits fourteen hundred and fifty hours, and say, hey, here's here's what worked, here's what didn't work, here's how you can try and do this. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Where does the name come from?
1: Um, if you're familiar, if you're an NPR listener in the early 2000s or maybe in late 90s, uh, you'll remember Daniel Pinkwater from the Hudson River Valley. And he was a young adult novelist. Um, and he wrote a, a number of novels, one of which is Borgel. And the name of the dog who in certain parts of the book is able to talk is Fafner. Okay. Ah, there's okay. also apparently okay. a Swedish dragon by a slightly different spelling, and that is only when we strap the missiles to him do we spell it that way.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, to the hard points under the yes. wings. Knowing you, you have hard wing hard points under the wings. I uh, I've seen you attach things to airplanes. We uh, not that I would ever I'm, admit I'm sure that, that in public. I'm sure but, that yeah.
2: all of it was uh, easily uh, uh, compliant with uh, FAA
1: regulations. Yeah, I, absolutely. Actually, I, I no own a smoke and airplanes 3.5 smoke system that is not yet installed but I have it on good authority from my ANP that uh, it can be installed with the 337 and if we ever get to have the air show again over the river I got a jet ski, I got a 150 Arabat, and we will find a certabie or super d and we're going to recreate the Iron
0: Eagle race scene. <laughs> oh. Okay, I like it. Well, well have to, I, yeah.
2: I, I caution you about installing the smoke system on on Fafner um you're going to go IFR a few times
1: yeah 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 don't go yeah, right. don't go to high uh, high angles of attack with the vents open yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Now speaking of modifications though, uh Fafner uh, just recently received uh, an STC of some sort. What happened?
1: Yeah, the we are big fans of the of what Gammy is has has done and is doing. Um we went out and bought the uh, the STC for G100 unleaded. Um, mm-hmm. Easy, easy process. Um, yeah, you go online, you enter some serial numbers. Um, there's one piece of it for the airframe, one piece of it for the engine. It's all by serial number. And I think it ran like 450 bucks. And mm-hmm. a few days later, you get the, the signed STC paperwork in the mail as well as... Uh, the stickers to go by your fueling ports and a sort of fireproof metal thing with an adhesive on it to put on the engine Um, you do that the ia signs off and you are stc'd
0: for g100 unleaded it's simple Mm -hmm. as to be yeah i've heard that from a number of different people yeah um but you're in michigan you you expect to see that fuel there what next month the month after yeah no um we did it primarily
1: to you know we 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 fancy ourselves thought leaders in some small way, and if nothing else, I want to be able to go to Oshkosh or wherever with a straight face and say, "Hey, look, we're um, we're early adopters. We we yeah. believe in this, and we're willing to pull on that rope before there's uh, before there's actual availability." I'm right as an O235 operator, and you know, considering the amount of lead fouling you get on the bottom plugs. I can't wait until I mean, from a practical standpoint it's not just because i want to be green or i want to be whatever color one is when one is not spreading small amounts of lead around um but just to have you know the the bottom plugs and not have to you know get a rough mag maybe every you know
0: five percent of the time when you're on a run-up yeah, yeah. very cool good for you good, good for you Good for you. Um, on that on that front, um, there was a story in uh, General Aviation News uh, just a couple of days ago, um, where uh, uh, George Brawley, who was a guest on this podcast last episode, um, said that he believes that he will have uh, the fuel um, in. A handful of California airports as soon as this summer, and uh, that would be great. These are the ones that really, really need it for a variety of reasons. Reed Hillview being the poster child for this whole thing, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, he's he's according to this article, he's 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 uh, cautiously, I'm mean, my term, cautiously optimistic um, that he he, can,
2: he he was very also very descriptive of where things stood in, yeah. in that last episode um, and uh, some of the. Uh, uh, reasons, uh, what you know, the market is is being is being uh, managed a little bit uh, by uh, um, California, and there's a strong possibility that uh, instead of some airport closures or, or elimination of fuel availability at some airports, that uh, as Jack points out, by the summer we can see G100UL in widespread district Well. Wider spread distribution uh, than
0: before. Yeah. So
1: California tends to run, you know, be the leader in, em- in emissions. Texas is the leader in textbooks, um, and <laughs> just by way of
2: Florida is a strong. I, I
1: meant, I, I meant no more by that than yeah. what I meant, <laughs> but. Yeah, and and it's you know I'm I'm kind of glad somebody's taking leadership there. I mean I don't think it's a crisis, but you know, spreading as little lead in the environment as as possible, I think is a great idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and as you and others have pointed out, um, there's a performance uh, benefit as well. It's not just to be you should, you economically, be or ec- ecologically, um, yeah. um, you know, conscious. It's uh, it 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 may well uh, make your airplane run better. I, um, so from
1: an operator standpoint, I kind of look at it as you're probably going to need a third tank. I mean, I don't know anything about you know running a running an FBO, but you probably can't go. Okay, next Monday it's all G100 unleaded.
0: Yeah. No, I. I think that's right, Steve. I, mean, I suspect I've been I've sort of been in, implying that for some time now that that's going to be one of the big big challenges of this is that these little FBOs um, are going to need to find another tank of some sort, whether it's a truck or or, or what. But uh, this is this is not a trivial thing where you suddenly just start using the hundred low lead tanks. And, you know, um, you're going to need to offer both for a while. Um, you know, we went through this with cars, you know, whatever it was, oh, yeah. twenty years ago, or I forget how long ago that was, um, where we were phasing out the leaded fuel for cars and, and we had you know you remember this uh, some of our younger listeners may not remember but there was a long period of time where you'd go up and there'd be you know now you see you see different octanes at the pump back then you'd see different octanes and leaded and unleaded yeah,
2: unleaded you can see regular lead, yeah. and you
0: can see premium, lead. and uh, and so it was a little crazy for a little while, but uh, it eventually worked itself out. And it's been a long time since I've routinely seen. I don't. Know, it's been a long time. And I think I've seen anywhere where I've seen leaded fuel available. It's um, the point
1: that, where I mean, for some you know classic muscle car owners, yeah. I mean, you can buy a product called lead-in, or at least you could. The last time I checked, I mean, just simply to allow the engine to to run.
0: Yeah. The gotcha, of course, these days is uh, is ethanol. Um, The the ability to buy ethanol-free gas is is a a challenge for some people who need it for a variety of reasons. Where was I? Just recently, I was looking at uh, I was looking at a reference about fuel and they were they they were very very fl- straightforwardly saying oh yeah we also sell no you know no ethanol gas which up here is unusual you, you just that's not it's hard to find no ethanol gasoline up up here in new england um and uh, it's it's not every gas station down here
2: but it's Fairly common and it's easy to find. I know where it was, and we call it rec
0: gas, recreational. Food. Yeah, I know where it was. It was. This is a completely different story. On my drive home from Florida, I actually experienced my first buckies. Have Ooh. either of you been to a buck? A buckies, but her right. Yeah, buckies. So. Bucky's is a monster you know uh roadside um um you know it's a, it, I don't know Quickie Mart but to the Max stops. yeah well uh, but there's more cars activity than trucks if there's trucks at all um it's huge there were, there were like there were like 75 pumps all right. Gas pumps at this place. All right. There was a huge store inside and I went just because I, it was, it was at a convenient place on my route and I, I knew it was there and I figured, well, I'll stop there and get the Bucky's experience. All right. You know, um, I was actually very pleasantly surprised by the way. Um, and, uh, the, the gas was the cheapest gas I saw in the area. This was near, uh, Florence, um, South Carolina? Um, Carolina. Yeah. Florence, South Carolina. Um, uh, actually I think it's in Florence, South Carolina. Um, and, uh, and the, I was ter- I was very very surprised, very very pleasantly surprised at a, uh, a sliced brisket sandwich that I bought while I was there. Um, a very very tasty sandwich. Um, so Bucky, but Bucky's the 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 advertising to Bucky's referenced the fact that they have no ethanol gas just routinely available. Um, you know, not at every pump. You know, bank of pumps, but at many of them apparently. So uh, you know, that's something you don't see up here. Anyways, um, well make our way through all this so uh trying to think where i was here what were we talking about we were talking about uh, uh we haven't d- even gotten to the list man yes we
2: have well oh, yeah we, we did oh, okay we're, we're sort of in the list we're
0: either. sort of in the list we're getting there we're getting there uh-huh. um one last thought on the subject of the stc um 172 drew has also gotten the stc I, he showed me he was crowing and showing me pictures of the paperwork and he actually he also got his his uh, placards recently. Um, And he was saying that the process is so easy, so straightforward, that he thinks some small airports around the country as it becomes available, as they're able to pump it, all right? What they should do is set up, you know, like, you know, unleaded Saturday, okay? Where, you know, G100 unleaded Saturday, all right? Where people will fly their airplane in, and there will be someone there at the FBO who will get them at a, at a terminal, and they will go online, and they will fill out the paperwork to um, get their STC. And, and Drew implied that it, you, you'll get approved, I mean, as Assuming there's no problem you'll get approved right there online and get a digital version of the stc and that you are then qualified to to, to fuel with the gas at that point point. and so he was saying J- drew was suggesting that this would be a great promotional thing for small airports and say come on over on saturday afternoon we'll get you all fixed up we'll get you stc'd we'll give you your first tank of 100 100 unloaded um and well, uh,
2: well, not only that but it's also a good local pr thing
0: that's what and I mean. Yeah. Getting, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Getting yeah tell the locals about it. Yeah, Do yeah. everything yeah. you can yeah, to not, let them not know. Not just
2: not just the pilots and airplane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But tell the tell the local media. Tell you know, uh, set up some food. Get some food trucks out there and make a day of it.
0: Yeah. So anyways, uh, wanted to follow up on one thing from last episode. I'm, this is going to become a thing for me. Just get over it, get used to it. All right. Um, and that is that I continue to say that UCAP listeners are awesome. All right. They are terrific. We've known this for years. It was really driven home to me when I got a chance to actually mingle with some of them for the first time in years at sun and fun. Um, and, uh, and, and, and first of all, thank you. UCAP listeners. You guys are great. You folks are great. Um, and second of all, we need a name for you we need to come up with something to way to refer to you all in a in a fun but but you know kind of serious but complimentary but you know, kind of maybe a little wacky way we're still looking for our suggestions um we haven't gotten any suggestions yet but i'm sure it's just because listeners are kind of like pondering building their list and all of a sudden it's going to be a wave of of suggestions um i don't know if either of you have, have any ideas but you know it's kind of like a a, a a name like peanut you know peanut gallery was the name of what um um who was the peanut gallery it wasn't captain kangaroo it was uh uh Come on, guys! Wow. Are You still there? <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, you <laughs> no, got come on. Me. The Peanut um, Gallery was the audience at. Hang on. Okay, it's too bad we don't have a device here. Soul Train. On. No, no, it was it was little kids. It was it was a kid show. Peanut Gallery. Mickey Mouse Club. It was. Hang on. Hang Not on. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. It might have been Howdy Doody, actually. It might have
2: been Howdy Doody. I never saw Howdy Doody.
0: Uh, The, the peanut gallery. It was Howdy Doody. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. The peanut gallery. This is uh, from Wikipedia. The peanut gallery. The peanut gallery was in the days of Vaudeville. Oh, in the. Oh, okay. It goes back further. Um, in the days of Vaudeville, it was a nickname for the cheapest and ostensibly rowdiest season. Well, maybe peanut gallery is a good name for our audience. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't don't try to sell this. The Let's occupants of the which were, were, were often known to heckle the performers. Um, but apparently later on uh, in 1943, the Howdy, Do- Howdy Doody Children's Radio Show adopted the name for its live audience of children. That's what I was remembering. Not that I was listening to the radio in 1943. but and, and, yeah.
1: and to be clear, you're looking for a nickname, not like a collective noun. Not like a room of pilots.
0: No, it could be that. I mean, it could be. I don't know what it's going to be. I, I, you know. What I mean, Jeb's right. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, direct it too much. Uh, just some sort of. As I, Steve, the reference I made that nobody gets but I do, so I'm going to repeat it. Um, is a a, a a vlog series called uh, the Vlog Brothers. Um, very popular. Been around for like uh, like. As long as this podcast, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen years, um, and somewhere along the line, they sort of almost accidentally named their audience the Nerd Fighters. Okay, um, that, in that case, it was named after a video game that was popular way back in the earliest days of that of that that video blog. But uh, um, so they call their people the Nerdfighters and it's become a beloved, proud. They make T-shirts and hats and stuff, um, and so I think it would be great if we could come up with a fun, cool name for our audience because they deserve something they deserve t-shirts i guess is what i'm saying um so so send us your suggestions send us your ideas for what we can call the ucap uh, um the ucap listeners uh gang um it might have something to do with tie down party i'm not sure tie down okay anyways that's all for that
1: (laughs) okay yeah moving on build guardrails on that one
0: yeah, well, okay. I don't know why this podcast is going to start having guardrails
1: now.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I, I
0: think the horse is
2: out of the barn. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A couple of emails from listeners um listener constantine uh sent us and this goes back a little bit but they, these things have been been piling up because we were away for sun and fun for a while um so back at the end of march he sent us a, a follow-up on the buttonville drone accident this people might remember was the uh the the incident where a drone and an aircraft had a midair um at an airport this is up in canada i believe, I believe it was near toronto um, and it turned out that the drone was a was a police drone, um, a law enforcement drone um, that was flying with, uh, we, as we suspected at the time. Um, almost no appro- even for I mean, I, the Canadian rules and requirements are a little different than ours, but they do have some rules and requirements. And this law enforcement drone was flying without having checked, without having talked to the tower. Apparently, I mean, something I don't. Those details aren't exact, but like that, they was he was really flying this thing, and apparently the final uh, or, or or the uh, the re- you know, kind of final report has come out here Um, and you can read it. We'll put a link in the show notes to the entire email that, that uh, Constantine sent us. Um, But he he said, the RPA pilot felt a sense of urgency to get the RPA airborne as soon as possible. And then later in the email, Constantine writes in conclusion, um, the RPA or actually he quotes from the, the the report "Uh, in conclusion, the RPA pilot decided to forego seeking authorization for this, flight in order to provide more timely imagery to his colleagues who were waiting nearby which then constantine describes as drone get their itis uh which is kind of a good term for it so uh there's more information about this there's apparently a youtube video you can check out um this is kind of maybe closing the door on this particular incident that happened uh way back in i guess 2021 um up in canada so uh Thank you, Constantine, for updating us. That any any observations, any comments out of that, you guys? No, I guess not. No, I, okay, I, I
2: do, but I'm willing to keep them
0: to myself. Oh, gee, come on! It's just you, just me, and Steve. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then uh, another email from listener Carter B. Uh, Carter sent us along. Uh, Carter is a uh, so Carter has checked in a couple times on the stories that we've been following recently uh, about uh, aircraft incursions, um, you know, air, runway incursions that had happened that we went through a big flurry of them. Fortunately, they seem to have quieted down, but we went through a bunch of them, and and we jokingly talked about there being a, a pitch clock, you know, so I mean a <laughs> runway clock that, that that there should be you know, a certain amount of time that you have on the runway. And if you don't you go to the penalty box or I don't know what. But uh um Carter B, who apparently was a uh I think he was a he's a retired airline pilot or and i'm scanning this article it's in here someplace um but he's 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 he has some credentials in this area um and he says i wanted to make a brief comment regarding the recent rash of near misses in the airline industry he's oh here i was an airline pilot for 34 years prior to retirement he writes and I, there's a lot here and i'm not going to even try and summarize it but he basically has has a, a bunch of interesting um interesting suggestions on on you know uh, what what you know items should a, should a, the the crew have completed before they accept a clearance onto the runway and ready to go means ready to go. Yeah. Right. And, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Um, it's almost what, what Carter describes is almost a pitch clock kind of situation. You know, it's kind of like, you've got 10 seconds. He says after aircraft, air, aircraft, one of the things he talks about is aircraft must begin moving 10 seconds after receiving the takeoff clearance. Um, aircraft must begin its takeoff roll within 20 seconds after crossing the whole short line. So things like that. Um, it's an interesting piece. Um, and, uh, where is it? There's kind of a funny line at the end here. Um. But he, uh, oh look what look at that! I didn't even see this last graph. Um, he 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 wonders if maybe these things get get adopted by the FAA. It will be because they heard his comments here on uncontrolled airspace. Um, and uh, um, in the at the very end in the last graph, he asks for listeners to give him some feedback on his ideas. Who, the audience that he refers to as the peanut gallery. Oh, how do you like that? Call back, call back. <laughs> I okay it, it sounds
1: like the kind of thing that that I mean there are elements if you look at any part 121 for example opspec um the kind of thing that I mean a lot of those are pretty uniform across I don't care who the operator is and having something to that effect at least in the opspec and for all I know it's already there in a lot of in a lot of cases um but that is at least a thing that can be done that can be adopted by the individual carriers
0: yeah yeah. Jim, any thoughts? No,
2: I I it sounds I mean the major incidents of which I am aware um all uh, two or three of them anyway had something to do with um how should I put this? Uh, not taking off with alacrity uh, after one is cleared to take off. Uh certainly the one in Austin had something to do with that. I, I believe there was at least one other. Um that the airplane was just kind of lowly right on the runway as another one was approaching. I think it was Atlanta, actually. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know about the metrics. I don't know about, you know, who's going to enforce this uh, or if it's just going to be, you know, honor system with the crew, what if you're a single pilot, yada, yada, yada. But um, I you know, I don't know where some of these people were trained, but when you're the runway is one of the most dangerous places on the airport. And when you're cleared to take off, you should take off. Uh, uh, you should not call ready to take off unless you're ready to take off, which means all checklists complete. Um, and how how this some of these things happen like this? I just don't understand what some of the thinking is behind it. Uh, I don't understand why we're dallying on the runway.
1: The the balance yeah the, the balance to be struck I think is you don't you also don't want somebody pushing the 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 power lever forward um when they're rushed in some way yeah i mean you you make the call at the hold short line you know i'm ready to take off but then not create a situation where hey did i forget something but i got to roll anyway um and no. you know at the end of the day it comes down to what's going on between the air ears.
2: yeah yeah, I agree. That's what I say, though. Don't call ready for takeoff until you're ready to for takeoff right. with all checklists complete. Yeah. All you have to do but, is taxi onto the center line and add takeoff
0: power. Yeah. But, of course there is always the very real possibility that that with all good intentions um, after you pass that point something comes up or something happens and or then you yeah.
2: use the radio to exactly say they, they were well yes. on
0: the runway yeah that's exactly was what I was going to say because that would have helped Austin a lot the big part of the problem in Austin was that apparently the tower didn't have eye, couldn't have eyes on on the t- the, uh, the, yeah, the, the the lineup and wait spot because of, of fog um, and uh, and so if the if the southwest crew had just spoke up and saying, we got a problem, we're delayed here, then they could have sent the, the, what is it, FedEx or UPS aircraft around, and it would have been a much cleaner kind of situation. Well,
2: that's exactly right. Um, that having been said, because the local controller could not see the approach end of the runway, could not see the departing um, southwest, I think it was, um, from the tower because of the weather, he shouldn't have been even been cleared for takeoff with with a seven six on three mile final.
0: Yeah, maybe the yeah whatever the clearances. And it and it
2: are. wasn't. It wasn't like you know traffic at, at Austin, Texas at five thirty in the morning is not that heavy.
0: Yeah, I mean, are the separation rules different for that kind of a situation than otherwise? Uh, or we, we're not air traffic control. Well, Steve's almost. Different, <laughs> <sure though. laughs> even I um, do not know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um Different rules apply on the runway and in the tower environment to the in-route environment or the approach control environment. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: I just genuinely don't know.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go. Look at Carter B.'s uh, suggestions here. He's got some very specific ideas, um, and, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that – I mean, I don't know what I would imagine, but take a look at them. They're interesting. Um, and he's got real experience. This is not just a, you know, a, a cub pilot. Talking about what airline procedures ought to be, this guy has some experience. So, take a look, see what you think. Send us email feedback. You're not uh, a
2: cub pilot? Did you just sign yourself up for a bunch of letters?
0: I guess I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, he's not a chief pilot. That's right. Steve can get, get on me right now. Uh, anyways. Okay. Well, that's that. What's next here. Uh, so off-field landing of the week. Um, we actually, well, we have one and a half off-field landings of the week this week. Um, the first one is this, uh, this, uh, B36, which is, but that's a, that's a, uh, a, thirty six B E 36 it's a, uh, a, Beach a bonanza. bonanza of some bonanza. sort, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jeb, you were kind of particularly, uh, uh excited about this. What, what, what's the story Great here?
2: Video, um, the, the, uh... This is, oh, this is the wrong one. Let's go back. Um, great video. Uh, the guy, um, it starts when the prop is literally stopped. Um, the airplane's maybe a 1,000 feet AGL, maybe, maybe a tad more, maybe not. Uh, and his gear is up. You can hear the gear horn in the background. Uh, he's got another enunciator, you know, say uh, terrain, terrain. A uh, second enunciator is saying something else, um, and and uh, you see him in a left bank, and you're wondering, what the, heck, what the heck's he going to land on? And slowly, this nice green flat field materializes, and uh, you hear the gear go down, you hear the ho- gear warning horn stop, and boom, they're on the ground, boom, 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 they're on the ground, and rolling, and stop about... 30 feet from standing Trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just classic textbook. Uh, I can't find a thing in this to critique.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It ma- it's good stuff. It's very his short.
1: speed. Yeah. Didn't lose his head. Yeah. I mean, that guy, I, I, I was not there, um, but that guy was sitting there watching his hands and his feet do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that he didn't train his hiney off for just such a situation. My head is so off to that guy. Yeah. yeah yeah and, nice and the glide the, the the glide profile of an anvil
2: well yeah, maybe not uh, 36, uh, 36 okay. will, will 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 um have any bonanza for that matter will hey. glide fairly nicely for what it is okay it's it's not it's not a schweitzer it's not a, <laughs> it's not it's it, it's not a single seat high performance glider by any stretch of the imagination um but it 's maneuverable at slow speeds, and uh, it 's got sturdy landing gear and there 's not a scratch on this airplane
0: yeah I, and it doesn 't need to be an anvil I, I, I think i 've told this story before about a training situation one time where um, I, we were, I was I was getting some time with a CFI in a, a one hundred um, and fifty uh, and we had been doing all the normal things going round and round and doing approaches and doing landings and whatnot and and we were, we, you know it was obvious we were pretty much nearly done. And and we'd we'd come down and we had landed pretty short. There was a lot of runway in front of us. Um, and he said, "You want to go one more?" And I said, "Yeah, okay, we'll go one more." All right. And so we added power and uh, uh, accelerated and lifted off and was climbing. And I don't know. I it must have been fifty seventy five feet. All right. He punched the power out. All right. He just completely uh, uh, you know, and and so I, and I'm going. Oh, okay, this is different. I've never had this one happen to me before. Um, so we still had a lot of runway in front of us. It was pretty clear the way to do this would be to just stay on the runway. So so we're just going to land straight ahead, and we're going to touch down on the runway. It's going to be fine, except that I never, ever did an engine-out practice before so close to the ground that I got a genuine sense of how quickly we were descending. Um, you know, when you're practicing engine-outs at, at 1,500 and 3,000 feet, um, you don't really – you look at the the, the vertical speed Speed, but you really don't get a sense for how quickly you're coming down. I'm suddenly now basically in a landing situation where I have a lot of experience on how how quickly the airplane or how not quickly the airplane comes down to the ground, and we're coming down a lot faster, all right? Um, and the interesting lesson I learned here was that, so I'm thinking we're coming down pretty hard, we're, we're, we're you know, descending pretty fast, I need to arrest this descent a little bit, and so I kind of reflexively started to pull back on the yoke, alright? Um, and he was ready for that because he was guarding the yoke on his side and he said, no, don't do that. Um, because. And then I suddenly realized, I says, oh crap, that's right, I'm in a different situation here, I could stall this airplane really easy. Um, and he prevented me from doing that and gave me the lesson and and um and and also the lesson that a one hundred and fifty can land pretty firmly, okay, you know, so uh, yeah, we came down and 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 we I, we planted it I mean other than, one, once he you know, once I realized that i don 't want to pull back on the yoke, then I was able to fly the airplane all the way through the landing and uh, and we landed pretty firmly but safely, and uh, that was an interesting lesson and it comes to mind now just is that it doesn't need to be an anvil for it to be coming down way faster than you (laughs) thought it was going to be coming down all right um i can only imagine what a a heavier airplane like this is going to feel like if it's if it's landing no power so uh anyway it's
1: going to land yeah 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 primacy and effect um you're here talking to jeb and me about it you know how many years after that made that made an impression that's really cool
0: yeah. Oh it, it was uh, I, I mean I you know we've all had a lot of emergency training and some of them you know made us nervous. And then, I wouldn't say this one made me nervous. This was just kind of a revelation. I mean it's kind of you know first of all it was like, "Oh, I never had anybody pull power on me at this situation." Um and I said, "Okay, cool. Let's do this, all right?" And I, you know, looked and I said, "Okay, plenty of runway. I'm going to land straight ahead." But then I made almost made that mistake. But he that's that was what he was set up to teach me. And it was great. Yeah. It was great uh congratulations to this uh uh b36 pilot is his, his name does his name appear this is a youtube video so there's not a lot of detail um but uh whatever his name is congratulations uh yeah did a good job well, well done good passenger
1: job. for having the presence of mind to hold the camera all the way yeah. through touchdown yes. hold i mean that's yes. yeah it's it hats off to the pilot but you know what a documentarian
0: yeah yeah, well, and that's an interesting observation because this other, uh this is the half off-field landing, um, is that it, it wasn't off-field. They got back to the runway, um, but uh, um, this is the second one. Where is it here on our list? Here, uh, t- 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 I thought I puffed on the list here. I didn't see it.
1: <laughs> might it might Hang have been on. further down from a prior? I I saw it.
2: Emergen- emergency landing at Nut Tree. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, below the fold, about halfway down.
0: Yeah, what was the uh, that's red the one light? I don't know. Hang on. Why am I not seeing it? Did it? uh, Do I have to refresh this page?
1: Not going to be too many other instances of nut tree.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that's why right. it didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't promote it. I didn't, I hadn't promoted it into the main list, uh-huh. yeah. But let's talk, let's talk about that one for a second here, um, because it's interesting um, in that it's a, uh, let's see, you know, what kind of airplane is it? It's like, it's some sort of LSA. Um, it looked and, like a
1: flight design CT yeah, or something. You know. exactly. I didn't see anything dispositive, but that's what it looked like.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, uh, two seater, obviously. And, uh, the, uh, the, the pilot, it's it's like he's given his friend and his buddy a ride and, uh, and they, they, uh, uh, start to take off. Um, and, and as they're climbing out, like they're on the upwind, suddenly the engine just does a, one of those scary things. It kind of really misses big time, almost fails. Um, and, and, and he basically babies it. He plays with the power and gets it to keep running. Um, and uh and they take the airplane all the way around they actually once he realizes he's got at least partial power he chooses to try and fly the pattern and come around and that works um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, good, good job as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure what sort of critique you guys might make of this. Um, the, the passengers' reaction, it, it was really – it's really kind of – I don't know. Not, Amusing is not the right word. But when when all is said and done and they're back on the ground and they're, tax, they're taxied off the runway and now they're taxing back to the parking spot, um, they both get the giggles. It's it's almost silly sounding, you know. And, and you can just imagine that this is the stress built up of this whole thing. You know, they, they both start giggling about what just happened happened and uh, and the the passenger who doesn't appear to be a pilot um or uh, uh is is kind of like you know whoa boy okay you know it's a, that guy it's, was it's talking
1: his passenger out of a tree the entire way around yeah what he was coming boss to- pilot in command
0: yeah, he was he was definitely trying to calm, calm, keep things calm and saying, "Look, we're going to do this," and 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 talking through what he was doing, you know, and and yeah, it's a it's a really yet another great example though of there being video. There's so much video these days; everything's getting videoed, which you know still makes me wonder why we don't have good video of the LA jetpack guy. But anyways, <laughs> that's um, yeah, this is really interesting.
2: Thousand feet. Um- um, sterile cockpit rule applies. From
0: I here guess here that's here. what it is. I guess that's what it is. Anyways, yeah, emergency landing at nut I'm assuming this is my nut That's, that's Nutri. how you know
1: the jetpack guy isn't me. <laughs> 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 you'd, be,
0: you'd be above 2000. There, Well, no, no he'd there, be down. Would
1: be video out the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: I, I actually am Spider Man, but I've not told oh, anybody. Okay prior prior to this but you know jetpack guy uh, yeah there would totally be video
0: that's that's interesting because because i am iron man that's <laughs> sorry that i was batman. right there I, I, uh, oh that's a good one too oh yeah i'm batman i'm batman yeah okay anyways congratulations to this pilot another one who's uh, apparently we don't seem to have his name here but uh they uh he did a really good job and uh not only flying the airplane but keeping his passenger calm um and uh like, good stuff i
1: understand that did i understand correctly that jeb is from dc and now we have to fight
0: i sure oh 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 oh, very good steve that's awesome (laughs) i that's that's a marvelous pun no oh well done well done yeah yeah and and uh, if we've gone
1: over jack's head with both of those references you know fist
0: yeah yeah there they go there we go good deal good deal all right (laughs) (laughs) what else what else we're having too much fun here having too much fun uh they're going to ground all the b-17s any day now any minute now they're going to ground all the b-17s this is this is an interesting story um i I presume that both of you have seen this um they uh um who whose is it one of the one of the organizations that operates
1: yeah really close to me just down the road at willow run
0: yeah um this is uh the what that's the yankee air museum Steve? A firm. is that that's the one? yankee lady yeah 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 um so they announced the other day that they are voluntar- voluntarily grounding their B17 the yankee lady um because of reports about a possible uh, spar problem um and uh and and many people including them believe that this is a, a, a sort of just a, pre- uh, a preamble to uh, all the B17 fleet being being grounded for this spar problem. Um, apparently this is not unrelated to the problem that, um, aluminum overcast. Is that the one, um, the EAA one has had for a few years now, like, like literally years ago, it got grounded while it was visiting Florida. Um, and uh, and they kept trying to fix it, and the pandemic made things more complicated. But basically, they just this past whatever it was, winter, they decided to just put it on a truck and, and bring it back to Wisconsin. Um, and apparently, that's related to the spar, too, according to this story. Um, so uh, this is kind of unfortunate. They think that the B-17s will be down for the entire 2023 uh, summer flying season, which is… And some of them probably won't fly again. Yeah, maybe, huh? I, I don't know what the spar issue is. Uh, but it sounds like
2: cracking, and i got to think that, well, we all know that, that these airplanes weren't built for, they, they were built for like maybe 20 hours.
0: Yeah, know, right. 20 that, hours. Yeah, right. They didn't exactly. No yeah. one yeah. yeah. expected to replace and there's the a wing spar on them. A limited a supply. Yeah. a limited supply of replacement B-17 wing spars. So, uh, yeah. So that's too bad. But uh, And i got to uh, think
1: that, I mean, I'm no A&P, but there's probably no more fundamental – Component of the aircraft than than that, or more involved and difficult to, to remedy, I would think.
0: Yeah, Steve, you fly a lot of uh, warbirds. You're you're somewhat involved in that world. Um, I mean, more than somewhat. But uh, um, is is this sort of aging airframe thing becoming more and more of a problem? I mean, because the most of them are World War II aircraft, and uh, it, have, have we passed some threshold of they just? You know what I'm saying? Have they, do you think?
1: the uh, from a, and I'm a very recent what many people would call a true Warbird pilot um, and have not paid attention from, like, the AD perspective. This is usually a, um, uh, a a thing that is dealt with organically in the community. It's a very tight community of folks that fly these 70-, 80-, 85-year-old aircraft. Um, witness the, well... DC3 is not in the C47. is kind of not the same thing because there are many in commercial operation, um, still, you know, in other parts of the world. But um, the operators do talk, and they are safety minded, and will share the intel on what's going on w- with their airframes. I- I'm not as familiar with the AD histories or whether the FAA gets involved, but certainly the operators are are very involved. Um, I got, when I did the T6 training, they showed me there are the push rods that activate the flaps on the T6. And there are a couple, they look like neoprene, they can't be neoprene, but there are a couple of discontinuous joints in that actuator mechanism that would occasionally, and this is known since like World War II, um, those would would become detached, and that would create a split flaps thing that would you know roll a T6 on its back on on final. And so that's one thing you check anytime you're flying a new a new T6 or new to U T6 and make sure that those are there. And that's a thing that you know every single operator uh, that I talk to is paying attention to. So I don't know from an AD perspective, but I do know that the operator community is very close. Um, mm-hmm. And is reputation driven and is safety driven. Um, so those are, I mean, there's probably the crosstalk going on even before, or certainly concurrently with the FAA becoming involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. Jeb, any final words on this? Uh...
1: No,
2: except that let's say the the newest B-17 is was manufactured in in 1945. Um, <clears throat> I fly an airplane that was manufactured 20 years later. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of them out there, uh, like mine, um, that are I, – I, let me put another – there are a lot of airplanes out there that are still being productive um, with that kind of time or that kind of age on them. Um, we've seen um, lots of issues with structures over the years, including on the Bonanzas and Debonaires and Barons. Um, we've seen it with T-34s, Steve. We've seen it with yeah. – uh, L- lately with um, Cessna 210 uh, uh, and, and I think maybe 206 versions, um, we're going to keep seeing it just for a variety of reasons, not least of which is these airplanes, while they might not be as valuable as, as a brand-new SR-22T, um, can do most of the same job for a lot less money.
0: hmm yeah. yeah. Still. Yeah.
1: The, the risk you run into in the Warbird community is when you get down to so few examples— yeah. That although the FAA certainly is, you know, it is and remains my favorite um, U.S. federal uh, aviation regula- regulatory organization. For example, the four <laughs> okay, we're going to have to the, we're
0: going to have to break that down at some point. The, but go ahead, yeah.
1: The, the, I got it from you guys. Come on, the yes. the yeah. you know we operate four of the remaining six flyable TG7As, the motor gliders, and it just doesn't make as much sense for the FAA to pay ad levels of attention to those airframes or there are bigger and more numerous fish to fry so a warbird operator you know really needs to pay attention to what's going on organically within its community as the number of flying examples decreases and you know it becomes incumbent upon the operator to really pay attention to what's going on with their airframes and their engines
0: yeah yeah okay well there we go it's it's uh it's too bad but the you know i don't know what the what the metaphor is time Martin, mother nature is is uh is is tough these things where universe doesn't care yeah right you know so anyways jeb, jeb okay. is right yeah um i'm gonna ask you about this jeb um talk a little bit about representative bud schuster thanks um yeah
2: i i just saw today um uh, the AOPA actually that uh, uh, former congressman Bud Schuster passed away um, I used to work with his daughter in a, in a boutique lobbying firm years ago I, I knew him well enough to say hello and shake his hand um, in the dictionary under power broker they have his picture
0: uh-huh.
2: I rarely agreed with um, his policies Um but I admired the way that he did what he did to make, to put those policies into effect. It was pure politics, and uh, you got, you got to kind of just stand amazed sometimes uh, at what he was able to accomplish just with a big brass pair. Um, he was, um, when it's- I was very, fairly active on the Hill, he was the ranking Republican on the House um, Public Works and Transportation Committee uh, later became chairman of that committee. Um, he uh, um, wielded a, a, a solid, a solid gavel the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stories I could tell you around the campfire, but um, I just wanted to, you know, pay my respects, especially to uh, uh, the children. He, kn- I know of his uh, Bill and Gia uh, and, um, uh, Uh, farewell
0: yeah yeah i i I was not i obviously didn't know him i wasn't really aware of him but from reading this bio and and from um hearing some other things it sounds like uh um he was quite a guy you know not necessarily one you agree with all the time but you know yeah a player you know and i mean that with respect and and, and,
2: yeah if you're going to do it do it you know with some 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 bravado and he certainly did that um again i he's i wouldn't necessarily call him a role model but he was effective as his legislator. And um that says a lot about uh, uh uh given the competition, given the environment in which he thrived, it says a great deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Steve, anything you want to add to this? Do you
1: uh no, I, I, I'm sort of in the same position as as you, Jack. I've I've never moved in that those circles, but uh I I respect um uh, operational excellence when I hear about it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally. um, So a couple years ago, uh, NASA uh, sent a a little uh, uh, copter, -copter, multi-copter, two-bladed helicopter, if you will, to Mars to make five flights. That was the goal. We make five flights. Uh, Two years later... Ingenuity has just logged its fiftieth flight. Can you imagine? I mean, this is just mind-boggling. How do you um, stay current with that flying, that little thing? I Come know, on. I know. I mean, it's just, just really. I, you know, so I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm thinking, so like, take your average, um, you know, com, um, um, consumer multi-copter drone. They call them all right here, you know, that that you or I might own and might fly. Okay, but here's the situation. All right, you get to. You get to take it out of the box you need to do whatever you're going to do to prepare it all right and then you get to put it on the ground and fly it remotely and not touch it again for 50 flights you think you get 50 flights out of that aircraft without ever being able to touch it um not even be able to, to control it in real time um this is a quite an engineering thing
1: I, I i looked it up when i saw it on the list the the light speed lag from here to Mars is anywhere between 3 and 20 minutes. So this is yeah. you know this is all mission planning. This is this is cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the operational aspect of it. uh, The other part of it for me is just that they built this device that has not had any maintenance for two years in a really harsh environment. Uh, Over 50, 10 times it's expected, you know, a lifetime. um, And it's still flying. Um, It's had a couple of issues, and they've had to kind of do workarounds, apparently. But to this day, it's flying and and doing real science, apparently. Um, You know, it's gone beyond the mission of just seeing whether or not you can fly a helicopter on Mars. Um, it's doing some really remarkable, uh, image gathering and, and, uh, scouting for the, uh, for the land-based, uh, um, you know, craft. Um, so, uh, hats off, hats off to these NASA folks. Wow. I, I just point
2: out that, you know, one of the reasons for its reliability is there are no private pilots walking around with a number two Phillips scooter. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: that's right. Burnside never got to touch it. So it's okay. Yeah. We're good to go. Um. Yeah. That's really something. That's really something. Um it's not on the list SpaceX blew up an air, uh space uh, uh rocket ship today. Yeah. That was that, exciting. That was exciting. Yeah. It was uh it, it, you
2: well, know it, 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 yeah. it was There's a lot of e words. You know, expected. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um 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 yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, anyways, we have, you know, and, and we all had high hopes that it was going to do its entire flight profile, and um, and that was going to be very exciting. Um, but the reality, is and, and I was kind of joking on, I think I was talking to you in text, Jeb, but uh, um, about how everybody was now, you know, was back basically trying to spin it as being a successful experiment. And that's the way, but, and you know what, that's really true, if you ask yeah, me. I, I, um, I don't disagree with that. As, as they didn't meet all their mission
2: parameters, clearly. But, uh, you know. Better than you and I could
0: do, Jack. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, I, I thought that the flight control announcer had the perfect choose-your-own-adventure script.
0: Yeah, for, well, get-
1: for, for uh, the successful failure narrative immediately after after detonate uh-huh. or, or after RUD.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. All I
2: had to do was swipe left on his page. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, he had to, he had the script.
0: Well. <laughs> I don't know if they did or not but yeah you would think that they would be prepared for uh, for the possibility that something was going to happen but uh, yeah it was uh, it, it was pretty interesting it's quite a quite a rocket I'll tell you boy I'm telling you it makes a lot of smoke and well, it makes a lot of fire um, you see I don't the, know if all of that
2: uh, on and off the pad Yeah you yeah, see the
0: right. the
1: footage from like the NSF um vehicle uh-huh. that was parked out there
0: No yeah. No, I haven't seen that yet. Like a camera
1: strap to the top of of it, and, like, the back lift gate is all caved in. (laughs) Like, at the Cape, they've got the big water, you know, resonance dampener after, what was it, Apollo 10? Yeah. That that they put in, and this is just all cement, and there's, I don't know how much cement was there prior to launch, but it's nothing but dirt (laughs) under it (laughs) afterwards.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, SpaceX, I mean, you know, Elon Musk aside, which is kind of a wild card complication here, um, the things that SpaceX are doing are pretty fascinating. And uh, we've talked about them off and on. And and uh, I, I, you know, I didn't miss it. I knew it was going to happen. It was supposed to happen a couple of days ago and it didn't. And we knew it was going to try again today. And I was there to watch it. Apparently you were too, Jeb. So, yeah. uh, um, you know, credit where credit is due. Um, it, was, it was an interesting test and they'll get better at it. They aren't going to give up. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't. I don't begrudge them that. I, I don't. I yeah. don't think that's. A, uh, I, I know they will. Yeah. You know.
0: There we go. Okay. All right. Uh, that's it. It's fork time, man. We've been having too much fun here. Um, Someplace here I have some notes that say things like, uh, thank you, guys, it's always fun to get together. Uh, there's no reason for the audience, to, for our listeners to know this, but Steve actually stepped in at the last minute. Um, I kind of called him on short notice, and he was very, very uh, flexible. And, uh, and I'm glad, because it's always fun to talk to Steve Tupper. Uh, thank you, Steve. Jack calls I Hall. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, uh, Steve Tupper is a commercial pilot and uh, and instructor in airplanes and gliders. He's a Civil Air Patrol Lieutenant Colonel, salute, uh, a Czech airman, and search and rescue pilot, and he's the current vice commander of the CAP's Michigan Wing. He's also an instructor pilot and air boss for the Tuskegee Airmen National Historical Museum in Detroit, where he does and teaches formation, tailwheel, and warbirds. And, and oh yeah, he's looking for a few things to do in his spare time, so if you have any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you can. you want to help keep Steve busy, you can send them along. Um, online, you can find Steve at, and that's where my notes end. Steve, where can we find you online? Any particular places that uh, you're hanging out these days? You bet.
1: Um, airspeedonline.com is still the, uh, the, the website and the blog, not often updated, but occasionally. Um, and I'm on Twitter as Stephen Force, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-F-O-R-C-E. And on Facebook, just search for Steve Tupper, and I will
0: pop up. Have I seen you on the Mastodon thing yet? I think I have, right? You're on the My Transponder, aren't
1: you? I I am indeed there as well. Uh, And same thing, I believe it's Stephen Force. If not, Steve Tupper will will certainly find me.
0: You'll find you there. The the My
1: Transponder uh, reincarnation.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. And Jeb Birdside. Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor. He serves as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a frequent contributor to other aviation publications. You can find Jeb's work online at AviationSafetyMagazine.com, also AvWeb.com. He also does things from time to time with AEA.net, among many others. On social media, he's J on Twitter. Um, his The Aviation Safety Magazine is Safety Mag. Also on Twitter and on Mastodon, he's BurnsideJ at mytransponder.com. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online most places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. On Mastodon, I am Jack Hodgson at mytransponder.com. And you can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. We want to thank everybody uh, for taking time to listen to our little podcast here. If possible, please become a supporter of this podcast at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Or you can make a PayPal tip jar donation, care of the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. just ten or fifteen dollars over the span of a whole year is a really, really big help in keeping, helping, allowing us to keep this thing going. Um, we also love to hear from you, so you can use that same email address, podcast at com. Send us your comments and questions. So, anyways, uh, Jab, will you have any words of wisdom for us? I just want to point out that a mile of road
2: takes you a mile, a mile of runway takes you everywhere.
0: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.